Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Sean. Morena. And today we are discussing Chapter 30 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. This might be the only chapter we have Mary and Henry and nobody else. Henry comes back. He and Mary are supposed to go for a walk, but he spends an hour and a half at the park. When he comes back, he confesses to Mary that he plans to marry Fanny. And he talks about how perfect she is. That's pretty much the whole chapter. He's completely smitten. He says, I am quite determined to marry Fanny Price. Mary's so surprised by this, but she's also in a state of mind to rejoice in a connection with the Bertram family and to not be displeased with her brothers marrying a little beneath him. Interesting that even though she thinks this is a great idea, that still occurs to her. She's still focused on status. Which is one of the reasons that she has such problems with Edmund, because a clergyman is not fancy enough for her. They're very wealthy landed gentry, and an admiral is considered to be gentry. But there's no evidence that they've got no sir anywhere, or lord or lady. There's no... They're not nobility. They're not nobility. But neither is Sir Thomas Bertram. He's a baronet. He's just like the top of gentry, but not technically aristocracy. No. Well, I suppose with Henry's worth, of course, he could have looked higher and certainly looked for more dowry. We haven't been told about Fanny having any dowry, so I would assume she doesn't. I would say she doesn't normally, but... Under the circumstances, it would be not unlikely that Sir Thomas would actually give her a small dowry as part of his responsibility that he's taken on. Because he's raised her life a gentlewoman, therefore she should have a gentlewoman's portion. And when Mrs Norris was moving into the White House, that was one of the things that he thought about, that the extra money Mrs Norris is putting aside could be used for Fanny's dowry. (laughs) Little did he know Mrs Norris at that point. Mary's really excited and says, talk to me forever. She's so happy about this and assumes that her brother has gone to talk to the Admiral. But the Admiral hated marriage and thought it never pardonable in a young man of independent fortune. I wonder whether... He did not have enough money, and that is why he married Mrs. Crawford, because obviously it takes a while to climb the ranks to Admiral. Or whether his unhappy marriage caused him to have this view. Interesting to note, isn't it, really? Because he'd had a mistress for a long time. So, you know, was he pushed into it? And particularly being away so much, so would they have ever had much in common as well? It does make him seem like a misogynist, though. He does come across as a misogynist, or not so much a misogynist as a bit of a hedonist. It's like he doesn't care about women enough. He moves his mistress in, but he doesn't try to make her legitimate. Henry says that obviously he was not going there for that reason, and he wants it settled beyond all interference before he lets the Admiral know, which clearly highlights that he thinks his uncle will not approve. And his uncle could be very unpleasant towards Fanny. But once the deed is done, as it were, he's convinced that Fanny will be able to do away with every prejudice. Mary is happy to get Henry away from the Admiral's influence before your manners are hurt by his. 
before you have contracted any of his foolish opinions. How bad must the Admiral be, considering how badly Henry acts? Much worse. He is a total hedonist. Henry is unlikely to move a mistress into his house. Well, he was unlikely at that point, depending upon what happens. He is more of a gentleman, I suggest, than the Admiral is. And that's probably partly because of the lifestyle the Admiral's had to leave. Because he's lived in the Navy, whereas Henry has had an upbringing as a... As a gentleman. And he did have some influence of the Admiral's wife. His self-centeredness and hers is a symptom of the Admiral's influence. Mary, of course, is thinking of Edmund. That Mansfield should have done so much for, and then there's a break. That you should have found your fate in Mansfield. What she means to say is that Mansfield should have done so much for both of us. You have found Fanny. I have found Edmund. When he talks about renting a place in Northamptonshire to not take her away from her family. Mary says, we shall be all together. And her brother saw her only as a supposed inmate of Mansfield Parsonage. So he's actually quite oblivious. It's a lovely picture of them all being friends and family together. He says, you can live with us as well as our sister. It would be great. But this is a really telling line. She was now very fully proposed to be the guest of neither brother nor sister many months longer, which sounds very like she is determined at this point to marry Edmund. His going away, despite it being to go to be ordained, seems to have made up her mind. That and the thought that because of the close relationship between Edmund and Fanny and the family, and therefore if Henry marries into the family, she will still have a lot to do with Henry. She'll still be with her family too. So she isn't therefore moving so much out of her circle as she might have been. Because if she'd stayed with Edmund, she knew she would be losing touch because their lifestyles are so, so different. And here he's saying, I will come and settle in the country. So it's all of a sudden, it's like, I wouldn't be losing my family. I wouldn't be losing my status because I'd still be the sister of the wealthy gentleman. I think it seems so much more feasible now. Does it have shades of Miss Bingley thinking that if Charles marries Miss Darcy, it therefore makes it easier for her to marry Mr Darcy? Possibly does, because she'll be in his company a lot more. He hasn't asked Fanny yet. She is not like her cousins. Very true. But I think I shall not ask in vain. Mary refers to her gratitude and says, ask her to love you and she will never have the heart to refuse. Jane Austen brings up gratitude a lot in relation to love across her books, particularly when Lizzie realises that she's in love with Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. And when you consider Henry Tilney in Northanger Abbey, the entire basis of his love for Catherine is that she loves him. If there is a girl in the world capable of being uninfluenced by ambition, I can suppose it her. That is absolutely true. true. They can't actually envisage anybody not making a rational decision in terms of security and comfort. One has to suppose if Edmund wasn't in the background, she might well. Henry really wants Fanny to be treated well. 
was there one of the family accepting Edmund who had not in some way or other continually exercised her patience and forbearance? They are both very clear-sighted when it comes to this. I could so wholly and absolutely confide in her, and that is what I want. Here he's thinking only of himself, but there's a big paragraph talking about all her virtues, mm. and he is aware that he can trust her. This Loyalty. Is a, that's a huge thing. From his background, he would think he couldn't trust women. And the behaviour of likes of Mariah and others. He's had people chasing him for his money, no doubt. He's had people chasing Whereas Fanny's done none of these things. Fanny has always been true to herself. He refers to how good she is dealing with her aunt's stupidity, doing things in that stupid woman's service with unpretending gentleness, and says that, I wish that they, Mrs Rushworth and Julia, may be heartily ashamed of their own abominable neglect and unkindness. But why, why does Mary bring up Julia and Mrs Rushworth? She's a woman and she knows how women will react. And you've got here, you know, your Cinderella syndrome. They obviously are the daughters of the family. Will they have influence on Sir Thomas? I doubt it. On... Will they choose to, out of spite, make things awkward for Henry? I thought it was a rude thing to bring up when he's really happy. I think it's unnecessary, but I think sometimes it's the kind of thing that people do, almost to burst the bubble. Again, I think it's symptomatic of an underlying lack of tact. Because she also teased Fanny about the necklace and tried to tease Fanny about the fact that Henry was very into her. And she could not understand understand why Fanny was so uncomfortable by that. She thinks that Fanny is the very one to make Henry happy. Your wicked project upon her peace turns out to be a clever thought indeed. A wife you loved would be the happiest of women, and even when you cease to love, she would yet find in you the liberality and good breeding of a gentleman. She doesn't believe that love lasts. And that actually is quite telling. Because when she's talking about liberality there, I take it that she's implying that over time you will not be faithful. And she might not be as well, because in their circles it was not uncommon after people had married and had their first couple of children or heirs for both partners to choose to stray. And so long as it was done tastefully and what have you, then neither party would say anything about it. Is that what she's implying here, that the liberality will allow Fanny to do her own thing. I just assumed it meant that you will continue to support her in living like a gentlewoman. I think that's taken for a given. He actually beats himself up a tiny bit. I did not know her then. It was bad, very bad in Mm. me against such a creature. He's not likely to have met many people like her from his circles. Most of them would have been fairly scheming the kind of women that is Admiral associated with. The Admiral would have had to work his entire life to get to his rank, and so would his friends. You might call it scheming because they had to work to get to their rank. His views on marriage certainly implies that he doesn't trust women. After saying something so very clear, I understand who she is. This is my bad. I should have seen who she was earlier. He's then very stupid when it comes to Mariah. (gasps) 
he can't suppose her feelings more lasting than other women's, though I was the object of them. He doesn't understand women. He doesn't understand that for Mariah, this was a real thing. This was obsession. Maybe if her life after marriage had been fantastic, it would have been fine. But Mr. Rushworth was the worst possible person she could have married. But he's also thinking more about himself. Fanny will feel a difference in the behaviour of every being who approaches her. I am the person to give the consequence so justly her due, better than a rich, superior, long-winded, arbitrary uncle. He is not kind about Sir Thomas or Lady Bertram and cannot understand how important they both are to Fanny. He should never, ever say any of those things about either of them in front of her. Or also when he goes on to say, what can Sir Thomas and Edmund together do? Well, actually, in the end, it's them together. She gets a father and a husband and it's lovely and spoilers. I'm sorry, I'm bad at that. It's the fork in the road, isn't it? And if it had gone one direction, one can't help but speculate just how could it have turned out? How strong would she have been to be able to manage his self-centeredness? What Jane Austen actually says that Fanny would have married Henry. Several people disagreed with that. Again, it would have been very interesting to see how Fanny and Henry would have got on together. But with the support of Mary and Edmund, because I imagine they would have stayed very close, however painful it would be for Fanny, she still loves Edmund and Henry loves Mary. They will still be siblings. And potentially with that support between those two couples, Henry could have been a better person. And it would have insulated them from Mariah in particular and potentially also Julia and whatever trouble Mrs Norris wanted to stir up. I think that is very much the what if, isn't it? It's a shame because we keep seeing such potential in the Crawford siblings, but they kind of don't want to put the effort in. And because of that, they both miss out on people that they genuinely love. We've spoiled the plot again. Oh, we're terrible at that. Or we're very good at it, depending how you look at it. That is our summary of Chapter 30 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!